Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight.co.uk, and joining me from across the pond, he is the mermaid to my prince. Strong Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? I I'm I was okay before you that that well, you could be the prince. Uh I mean it does make sense, uh, since we're across the pond that we would be like in the mermaid. Ooh, um, good, I, good I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, uh yeah, you know. I'm I'm okay. Uh <laughs> I'm a little I'm thrown by this uh, the intro today, but yeah, I'm 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 in. I'm let's 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 dive in the deep end. Oh, the puns are going to come thick and fast now. Um, well, I, I, I hope everyone's now got the image of JB swimming through the ocean with a crab and a scuttlefish and singing. He wants to be part of our world. But before we dive further into those fantasy, I mean those thoughts, uh, how have you been, my friend? You keeping Florida safe and well? Matt, I am doing the best that I can. I've uh, been hanging out with some friends and eating some food. Um, I've eaten out like three meals like the last three meals i've had i've had at restaurants so i need to probably chill since it's you, only you, day you three say what you've had though now you know i'm a, I'm a foodie come well, on i went to a uh a vietnamese place and had um roast oh, nice. pork uh or i guess barbecue pork noodle soup um for lunch yesterday and then uh for dinner we went to a right outside of the movie theater where we saw a movie i'll talk about later um just briefly uh we we went to a it's like a burger diner vibe and um sean it's a place i hadn't been to in a while because the, the one that i used to go to has had closed uh just before covid but um good burgers good fries and they have milkshakes but they added a vegan milkshake option which is uh cashew ice cream instead of dairy ice cream um with coconut milk and oh boy matt uh, it's like half the calories of their regular milkshakes and just as satisfying um, very, very good. Uh, I got a chocolate vegan shake and enjoyed it very much. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, and it, it's funny because she brought it with whipped cream. And then like um, I ordered Sean's because Sean was on his way. I ordered his so it would be ready when he got there. Um, and she's like, oh, does he want whipped cream? I'm like, yeah, she didn't ask me. So, But now I'm confident that the whipped cream is not <laughs> vegan. It's good thing that I'm here to order a double hamburger and I don't actually, I'm not eating <laughs> vegan. I just wanted the lower calorie milkshake um, because I was eating a hamburger. So I didn't want to have, you know, a thousand calorie milkshake and a burger. Um, but uh, yeah, um, but that was really good. And then this morning uh, we went to a local diner, uh, a friend of the show, and I, um, to have one, we wanted a place, uh, the last few times we've hung out, we, we got coffee, but we were at places where you have to like order individual coffee. So like it's five bucks per cup kind of thing. Um, so I wanted to, I was like, let's get a place where, cause we're going to sit and talk. I know we're going to sit and talk. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Let's nice. go somewhere that has the coffee on, you know, the uh, unlimited, they're just going to keep refilling our mugs. Um, even though we did drink decaf this morning to be, uh, because we were going to be sitting for so long. Um, which was a good call. Cause I think we had like three cups each, uh, but had a um, the big fat Greek omelet, uh, which has you know uh, gyro meat and um, feta cheese and, and some like some of the other uh, vegetables you would get on a gyro um, in an omelet with uh, home fries and uh, wheat toast. It was very good. Um, big fan of that. Uh, so yeah, that's the, my my three meals over the last um, twenty four hours. So 
wipes the floor with mine. I mean, I've eaten well, John, and anyone's only got to look at me to know that, but uh, it certainly beats mine. I've been doing, I've been doing pottery today, John. I haven't mm. actually been creating the pottery, but uh, I took my little one and we went, we went into some painting. I painted a mug. Uh, one nice. thing I've got so many of, mugs or cups, whatever. Yes. I went and did another one. Um, so that was fun. And other than that, I've been working this week, JB, and kind of wading through my inbox, which is absolutely being obliterated by Tribeca uh, messages, whether it's docs, short films, um, narrative features and interviews and things like that. I'm trying to wade through it all. So festival season for me has certainly begun, JB. But we said on last week's episode that, I mean, going forward, we're getting into summer blockbuster season or big movie season, shall we say, Every week from now on, we have a big movie. Whether or not it's a movie we dig, i.e. Fast 10, we can't deny it's a big film. This week's a big one. Next week's a big one. The week after, you know, and so on and so forth. It's getting into that time of the year now, my friend, where we can kind of divide them up. You know, you've got the summer season. Then you've got that. Then you've got the beautiful uh, fall season where, for me, as horror films start coming out, then it's Oscar mm-hmm. season. Then it's you've got your post-festival season uh, to see what drops in the start of, start of festival season. And then we get back into summer, so on and so forth. And we are back now with a summer movie in most uh, aspects of the phrase, JB. Tonight, you know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. We're talking about The Little Mermaid tonight. We're talking about the new... I say live action tentatively, but the live action adaptation of The Little Mermaid. Um, Usually we do a spoiler episode a few days after this one. For this film, we're not going to because, let's face it, it's an adaptation of an animated film that was released in 1989. There isn't really all that much different. So if you've seen that film or know the beats, then you're fine with this one. However... As per the BAMP-ology, we're not necessarily going to go and say what happens at the end or any major kind of twists or character moments. We're going to give our uh, thoughts, our experiences and our feelings on this film. So this one was directed by Rob Marshall and written by David McGee. And it stars, of course, Halle Bailey, Jonah Howard King, Melissa McCarthy, Javier Bardem, Noma Dumaswaini, Art Malik, the wonderful David Diggs, Jacob Tremblay and the wonderful Aquafina. The synopsis for this film, a young mermaid makes a deal with a sea witch to trade her beautiful voice for human legs. <laughs> so she That's really funny. So she can discover the world above water and impress a prince. Now, the animated feature was 83 minutes long, JB. Mm-hmm. This one is 135 minutes. So we've gone from under an hour and a half to a well over two hour film. Uh, and... But bear in mind, we did say up top, there's not going to be a spoiler episode because there isn't really that much which bears talk going on about because a lot of it is just what we saw in that 83 minute animated feature. So go figure. Um, so this film had uh, a lot riding on it going into it for a, ver- um, a variety of reasons, positive and negative. So how well has it done with the critics and the audience? On Rotten Tomatoes, critically, this is at 67%. Uh, the audience score, though, is a fantastic 95%. Surprising, but I'm here for it. Um, Metascore, 59. The IMDb user score, uh, we'll mention that shortly, is 7.9 out of 10. And Letterbox currently has this at 3.6 out of 5. Uh, yes, this is a Disney film. No, it's not on Disney Plus yet. This is only available in theatres. Give it, what is it six weeks and it will be on 
Disney Plus. But for now, you're going to have to swim to your local Cineplex and check this one out. Now, as we mentioned up top, this film has had a lot of controversy going into it because shock horror, somebody who isn't white, was cast in the lead role for a character of whom is entirely fictional and their their whole premise, a mermaid. It ain't real. Um, of course, Halle Bailey has been cast. Halle Bailey is a black actor who uh, has you know, now taken on the wrath of lots of angry, usually men worldwide, who suddenly have a massive interest in The Little Mermaid. Um, so the film has kind of gone into it with a cloud hanging over it. It's been review-bombed on IMDb, which is why that user score is higher than even the world would want you to believe. And I even mentioned the other day, if you're going to review a bomber film, maybe go look in the mirror and try and get your priorities straight because it ain't that deep in terms of uh, your life. So the little mermaid, the 89 version. Now the 1989 version of this film, the, the Disney classic, let's, let's call it what it is. Uh, Ron Clements, mm-hmm. John Musker's animated film was uh, a film, which I really enjoyed growing up. Um, and it's a film that I know my little one enjoyed as well. When she saw it growing up as well, growing up, she's still young. Um, so they're coming to do a remake as in Disney have been doing for a while now and it's fine john this 2023 version is fine there are some very good moments or very good aspects to it and there are some baffling aspects to it as well but Mm -hmm. i couldn't ever shake the feeling that this was just pointless almost you know what i mean there are you know from a from a film making perspective or a release i didn't really vibe with it from a cultural aspect and for what it's going to do representation and for people seeing themselves on screen priceless that i will always get behind and i've seen so many fantastic stories of kids seeing Halle bailey up there and you know being in awe crying singing along and just being happy i'm here for that and Halle bailey is uh is very very good in this film in terms of mm-hmm. her performance uh she's not oh, yeah. for grownish i mean her acting her acting's good but her singing is is actually fantastic you know the she absolutely belts these songs out like her life and legs depend upon it um i think she's really good any any been anyone who says anything otherwise i do think is maybe being a little bit daft you might not necessarily think the acting of hers is you know oscar bait or award worthy it's fine but yeah damn she is she's got some lungs she's fantastic and she's a star she is a star she's got the voice she's stunning she has this real kind of earnestness to her innocence to her performance, which really works for Ariel. And I think she looks great in the role as well. Um, and then we'll kind of, when we go outside of that now, not everything is quite as strong as Halle Bailey is in this film. Melissa McCarthy, I think she's deliciously camp and hammy. She knows exactly what mm-hmm. she's doing in this film. I think she's very good. And to be fair, like the voice cast, no real issues with the voice cast. You know, they're given what they are. Some of the dialogue's a bit ropey. Some of the new oh. songs work. Some of them don't. Mm. The, it's the it's the live action cast, which I have a bit more of an... I say live action, sorry. It's the, the human cast more so that I have more of an issue with. I think um, Prince Eric, Jonah Howard King, I think, he's, I think he's good. I think he's great. I really don't think Eric is great in this film. I think his chemistry with Halle Bailey at times is crackling and at other times isn't. Uh, Javier, uh, Javier Bardem is... Javier Bardem was also hitting Mr. Me, JB. Again, at times I really enjoyed watching him, but then others, I just didn't quite buy his chemistry with Halle Bailey. 
mm. and some of the things he had to do, like you know, throwing a tantrum, for example, wasn't quite sold on that. Um, oh, John, I've got to say, I'm, I know other people have said this, but I have to jump in, wade in with this one. I do think this film visually is a mess, and <laughs> it, it it's a Disney problem, John. And that's not all of it. Some of the scenes are vibrant. They are bursting with colour and life. Anyone who, again, anyone who says this whole film is dark and murky and um, depressing looking, I don't think saw the film. There are some scenes in this which look great, including the underwater scenes that look really good. Obviously, Avatar, Way of Water just pioneered how to do it. And it's hard not to look at that and think, damn, that's good. But it's a Disney thing for me, JB. I've seen it in Marvel films in this TV series. I've seen it in the Star Wars series, not films because you haven't gotten it it's almost like they kind of cheap out at times. I didn't get the, I didn't get a big epic scope of this film. I didn't feel that this was a big film. You know, things felt small quite a lot of the time. And the, and a lot of that was due to the fact that obviously it's filmed on sound stages or on the volume and spaces of a premium, but it really smacked me here that it just, Disney used to be more expansive and now everything just feels you know, reined in a bit. This has still got a fairly decent budget, of course, but it just doesn't feel like I don't know where the budget went because it certainly didn't fully go on the on the visuals. And because of that, some of the songs then are impacted. The the classic songs are, of course, great. John, you know, the great Disney American songbook has things like "Part of Your World," "Under the Sea," "Kiss the Girl." Well, fantastic songs. To, to having, no, sorry, go on. If, if I may, um, the the that's it's we're lucky that the songs that are being redone were still good because in beauty yeah. and the beast they're not good like a lot of the rehash songs aren't nearly as good as the original versions and i think here that's not the case i actually enjoyed all of the rehashed songs pretty much co- collectively i especially everything david Diggs had his hands in um he's great isn't he of course uh, he's, he's david yeah, i i like exactly. the performances of the songs but when you're <laughs> when the photorealistic animals oh, yeah. just look expressionless and like yes. they'd rather be on someone's plates, I can't. It, it, <laughs> it, a lot of the fun was lost. And under the sea, like sure. the V Diggs brings it to the performance, mm-hmm. but there's just something lacking in the like the visual aspect of it. Same Agreed. same with things like Kiss the Girl. Part of your world was was great. It sounded great, and I really went for it there. Um, yep. A few dodgy editing decisions aside. But um, yeah, That's the photorealism w- worries me. Flounder, Flounder generally looked like he was on the edge of death the whole point time. It did not need to be over an hour longer than the original. The no. details they added, I don't think were necessary. The scenes that they stretched out felt like they were stretching out. The new numbers, the new musical numbers uh, were okay. I think when, you, when, when you're up against a, such established classics, they do stand out a bit more. These new songs, they're not terrible songs but these the classics are oh i, I know i know i'm waiting for it that okay the rap i know i'll let you get on actually that one. Oh, God, i don't hate the rap <laughs> i i don't i don't love the the scuttlebutt song i hate and i think this is a collective thing with the disney princess live action movies they keep trying to give the princes a song which i appreciate oh god yeah eric's song but the prince songs are always bad man like they're terrible <laughs> The Prince Eric song is awful. I I also I from the trailers I was not excited for Eric. I thought he looked like he was not going to be good. And I agree with you. I actually think Eric is really good in this. 
but his song isn't his song is terrible and that's not even the performance just the song is bad yeah. it doesn't fit and with the rest of the Miranda, isn't it yeah and or at least i believe so i know he wrote a lot of the new stuff mm-hmm. um and very clearly he wrote scuttlebutt like that is all oh, yeah. Lin manuel miranda um but the prince eric song was real bad i called it it's eric's brutal. lament when it first started but i think it's called uncharted waters uh but man i bleeding I like, what i called it john yeah, and my wife was like, she looked at me, and I'm like, these Prince songs are bad. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, it feels wrong saying Prince songs are bad, because I don't mean the artist <laughs> formerly, formerly known, known as. as Prince. Yeah, I just mean this, like the songs in these Disney adaptations where there's a Prince, if they, like the Beauty and the Beast, they, they made a song for the Beast, and it's awful. And here we got a song for Eric, and it's awful. It's like, why can't y'all, like, either one, don't write songs for the Princes, or two, write better songs for the princes like why do they always have to be so like mournful they, like they blow don't they well well on that john I'll, I'll, I'll just say i think this film what just to pass over to you now i think the film was fine i don't think it justified any reason like most of the live action adaptations didn't really need to be done i don't like that phrase but here i'm i was watching it i'm like for for like main the, the film reasons i was like yeah this doesn't really add anything but for reasons outside of that i think it's a very important movie and Halle bailey is uh, a star in the making i think she is fantastic melissa mccarthy's great didn't need to be as long as it did the, the, the stuff that's good about the animated film g- generally translates to being good here it's just everything yeah. outside of that isn't great so for me it's mm-hmm. it's not quite middle of the road it's above it's above average but it was a slog jb but now now over to you my friend what were your thoughts and overall so, feelings i uh, same i think it's mediocre um i think it's one of the better re- recreations though um it's like if in fact matt if you'd like to i have my top five of the disney live action remakes that i've seen if you would like to try to piece yours together real fast uh well we can share it before we move on but um yeah. if you want to um absolutely but uh, your world. so i think this this movie justifies its existence solely because of Halle bailey because the the representation it just it's a shame that people are trying to ruin this movie because of representation, but that's the whole reason to do something like this is to mix something up so you can be more inclusive. So you can include another demographic who maybe felt excluded, especially up until princess and the frog, every Disney princess movie was white. So Mm -hmm. getting some change to that makes so much sense. And, um, that that's a reason to do this because when you watch beauty and the beast the live action there's no reason for it. it it everything they add is worse um than anything in the movie everything that they redo exactly in beauty and the beast is worse than the animated here i would say everything that they do exactly like the the animated feels pretty good it's not perfect but it's pretty good and again like you mentioned the under the sea the song is incredible with david doing the the performance the visuals are lacking. There is something so magical about that scene in the animated movie with all of the fish playing the instruments and to not have that in this. Not doing, are they? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's noticeably lacking um, in the visuals, but um, there's a lot of nitpicky stuff for me though, with this one, like, like we have, we are nitpicky about runtime. Like you can go back through episodes and you will hear us complain about long movies, but if you also pay attention, the pattern is we don't like unnecessary long movies and taking an 83 minute movie. That's basically perfect. I love the animated little mermaid movie and was 
is hands down one of the most listened to soundtracks of my life. I had the cassette tape as a kid, and I, I still know all the words to those songs, which I didn't know until I was watching this movie, and I was singing along for every one of them. Because I love that soundtrack, and I love Moana. Those are like two of my favorite Disney soundtracks ever, where I listened to them on repeat for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's why the new songs are so disappointing because I'm like, I don't want to listen to this new one. I actually want to listen to the new versions of the old songs. I do not want to listen to any of the new songs. Yeah, and good. I, um, so I thought I'm not always a fan of McCarthy. Uh, sometimes I really like her. I, I vastly prefer when she gets cast in dramatic roles because she is an incredible yep. actress who is very rarely given the opportunity to act um, outside of comedy. And this though i think she does a good job of blending that she's she's got the 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 big over the topness but i thought she was terrific as ursula halle halle bailey was excellent uh david diggs amazing except sebastian's look isn't isn't great because it's not realistic it's not realistic but it's also like it's not fun it's just like weird and flounder really troubling um because flounder (laughs) is so iconic like the original flounder is so cute and loving and this one is like i think they even knew because they i feel like he's trimmed out of this a lot like i don't think flounder is in this movie as much as he was or i just really inflated his importance to the original movie because he was stuff. but there are little bugaboo things that this movie does uh, okay. This is a trope in movies when there's a bunch of characters. Uh, the most egregious, the one I hate the most, is from Jurassic World when uh, Owen is with the Raptors and he's like, "All right, Delta. All right, Alpha." And he's like going through, like saying all their names in ways that, like, you would never say names like that. Here we meet all of the Ariel sisters at the beginning of the movie, and Triton's just like, "Ah." jezebel blah 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 like he's just name dropping and it's like this feels so unnatural like you don't walk into a room and just randomly look around the table and say every person's name and some weird arbitrary detail about them that's exposition dump in the worst way possible like if you want to introduce all of the characters names make it conversational but don't make it like here is a five minute scene where we're going to inform you of all these people's names that will have no bearing on any other point in this movie. These characters have no role. They are literally just, you need to know Ariel has sisters for some reason. Like it, it is so pointless and it happens. It's happening too often in movies where like, like, Hey, what if all these characters have names for what to add 10 more minutes to this movie? Um, and there's a lot of scenes like that. Uh, even like Ursula, I guess she's supposed to be talking to the eels telepathically, but she like is just monologuing to nothing. And it feels weird. I feel like in the anime movie, the eels are in the room with her and she's clearly talking to them. And here there is like an established telepathic link. And I guess that's what we're supposed to get. But it's also like, why do the eels need to know what you're doing? Like, I know it's for us, but make it feel more organic. So it's not just a scene of them monologuing because it feels unnecessary a lot um and uh, yeah none of the scenes that are added or or the other thing this movie does is is emphasize backstory like we have to establish that uh the sailors the sailors are afraid of mermaids that is never a like yes in in history there's lore about like the fear of mermaids and mermaids like tricking men 
But why does that need to be in a kid's movie? The kids don't need to know that's why. And it doesn't, again, it never pays off. They're not like, oh, no, she's a, a, a siren. Let's get her. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, you know, there's no scene where they're like, oh, she was a mermaid the whole time. She tricked you, Prince Eric. She was after your gold. Like, that's not a thing. She never had legs at all. Yeah. So it's like, why? Why does that need to be? part of the like there's a whole scene where like they're sailing and they're like oh you gotta watch out for mermaids they're trying to kill a dolphin because the guy thinks it's a mermaid it's like why do we need this scene the whole film is about ariel's voice i mean it always has been so we know about that i don't believe it's ever referred to as the siren song in the original movie do not believe it is but because that's again in mythology which isn't entirely accurate because sirens are a different part of mythology but nevertheless um it, it does, uh, for me, a person who is into mythology a little bit, I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting that her song would literally, she could have Eric just by singing at him if she wanted to. Like, that's how powerful her song is. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that makes me rethink the old movie a little bit too. But uh, like <laughs> all of that, those details, again, you're cramming details in for no reason. No one was watching Little Mermaid going, why, why does she have to give up her voice? Because it's hard to fall in love with someone who can't talk to you. Like it is like, you can't communicate. You can't like, Hey, what's your favorite movie? Blank stare. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it <laughs> communication's important. We get it. That's all you need. And that's the biggest problem with this movie is why do you have all of these little moments that don't actually add up to anything in the plot? They do not pay off in any way. It, it's just filler and and that's the worst type of content to justify his existence john i think i'm sitting in now trying to work out like the only thing i can think of is if they do an 83 minute live action adaptation the question then is asked literally why have you just scene for scene reshot this so i'm guessing Mm -hmm. they were like we'll come and rob marshall and uh mcgee we need we need some new stuff here we need we need some new content to really flesh this out and it doesn't work that's you could do that and then just oh, make can, sure it's yeah. it's relevant. Make sure it, it does go somewhere. Like if you're like, oh, what if there's more mythology? What if instead of like the big epic ending that we get from the animated film that we do get here, which I was surprised they went for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have gone for a more grounded conflict at the end based on the mythology, based on like the sailors or like maybe his mother. Because they, they set up Triton, you know, keep saying how evil humans are and uh Eric's mother keeps saying how evil the sea gods are. And it's like, well, <laughs> they never really like, it doesn't, they don't clash. There's never like this, even if that was a joke at the end where like Triton says, so you people, and she's like, you people, you know, like it's not even that there's nothing. It doesn't pay off. It's just filler content that is. Un- and they, and they kind of try to twist it up a bit with Ariel's mother and not necessary. I think you could have completely taken that out as well. Yeah. And this isn't meant to be a nitpick fest guys, by the way, it's just, if you're going to do an adaptation of a, of a beloved film and you're going to add new elements to it, then like John said, you've got to make sure those elements, I mean, subjectively, objectively is up to you, but you've got to make sure that they're needed, necessary and good. And they didn't always come across like that. That's the thing. I don't feel like this is a, a subjective perspective here. I think it's like, if you're going to add something into a movie that's going to add runtime, it's going to add content. Why add it if it has no bearing on the actual story you're telling? Because it's they literally took a story and then they added like padding of things that are adjacent to the subject, but not actually impacting the the subject at all. It's just 
Hey, so I did you also know this? In the sense that so there might be someone listening who thinks, oh, no, I thought the additions were great. That's fine. Sure. But, yeah, like, like to what you said, though, if you're going to add anything, then objectively they have to add value. Otherwise, well, what or is at least and my point is, I guess it, it, it's objectively that they don't add anything like you yeah, can like yeah. them. You can say they're good, but they're not actually altering the story in any real way. They're just That's there. It. And again, why not make it alter the story? Why not use that? If you're going to have the sailors talking about mermaids, why doesn't that pay off anywhere? Why isn't that a relevant point that is made later? Like Eric's uh, valet, I guess is what his role is. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember the guy's yes, name. Yeah. I liked him. The, but like, he should have been warning him about like, you know, Hey, you got, this girl just came out of nowhere. You gotta be, what if she's a mermaid? Like, that's not a thing. And if anything, he later, he's just like playing the love guru over here. Like, Hey, you sure you like this other girl? Like, yeah. I, it's just, if you're gonna do it, why not do it and make it functional? I feel like that's the ones that have been successful. Like Cruella. I think is a really great example. They add a, I mean, it's all a backstory movie. We don't know anything about Cruella except for what we're learning in the film, but everything they add seems to pay off in that story. Like all of those scenes add up to something. They, they collectively go into each other and there's a purpose for them being there. And I can't say that for a lot of the extra stuff in this movie, the story from the animated series is, or not series, the animated movie is the main story here. And they just add all these moments that do nothing. Again, like you said, you might enjoy those scenes. You might think it's funny or you might think, oh, how cool that looked. Cool. But couldn't it also add substance? And that's where I think this movie drops the ball. I think, again, like we said, though, the performances are solid. Um, I I think the, the Halle Bailey being cast justifies this remake because at least it's something significantly different and it's going and I've seen you've seen it on the internet you've seen it I saw it at my screening um people are excited to see someone who looks like them in a role we we heard it with uh Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse too and Stan Lee frequently said one of the reasons he liked him being fully masked is so that anybody could be under the mask and mm-hmm. you know I mean, anyone who's who is white saying representation doesn't matter is speaking from a place of thousands of heroes who look like you. So you've always been represented. That's you can't say it doesn't matter because you've never experienced not having it. You've always had it. Every movie story. There's so many that feature a person who looks like you that to say it doesn't matter is is ridiculous so let let this version exist because the other one still does too and mermaids aren't real okay okay remember that guys and the people who are complaining come on i mean yeah just just come on you, you know you, you don't you don't care about the little mermaid we all know yeah. that it's 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 extenuating circumstances it's, it's everything else you care about you don't care about the little mermaid you don't care about the law and the legacy of these films or or disney there's there, there are other things you don't care about and i think the film actually without kind of treading into it the film itself i think it actually even kind of goes out of its way to justify Halle bailey's casting in terms of like the story and the setting and all that i, th- I do actually think that it actually makes plenty of sense to have Halle bailey in plus yeah. she has got pipes the, 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 what do you remember yeah. about ariel her voice 
Mm-hmm. Callie Bailey has got one hell of a voice. And again, she looks great as Ariel. She looks like a star. She sounds great. What more can you do? Do you know what I mean? She's, she's, she's fantastic in this. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I thought the, the, it's still, Oh, uh, do you, do you have a top five? Um, I really can't. I've I cobbled together five films. I don't okay. know. I, I can't necessarily. I, I will put this one in there because I think it that is better than say Dumbo and um, stuff and stuff like that coming out. Um, oh crap! I've only got four. Uh, I'll have to try and remember the other one. So the Little Mermaid. I'm gonna. Th- I'm glad you mentioned Cruella because I'm putting that in. We didn't need an origin story for Cruella, but we got it, and it was damn good. It's damn good. Um, oh. Cinderella. I like Cinderella a lot. Um, good one. The Lily Jungle James Book. Yeah, actually, James is great. The Jungle Book. I think Favreau's Jungle Book is succeeds. I think for me, where The Lion King doesn't. Um, and I've already forgotten the fifth one. So just for the minute, oh, that's either Pete's Dragon or maybe Aladdin. Mm-hmm. One of those two. So I have a Little Mermaid at five, just beating out Aladdin. But um, I think I had I had uh, some Jafar in Aladdin did not Jaffar, work for me. Not good. And so, like, it, it brings Aladdin down a little bit. Will Smith did work for me, and now that feels like, oh, I don't want that to be the reason. But <laughs> so Little Mermaid's at five, Jungle Book at four, um, which I've soured on a little bit since I saw it because of The Lion King, because in my head I can't separate those two. Yep. Um, I don't feel like the animals were as expressionless in Jungle Book, though. I feel mm-hmm. like they felt a little more fun than they did in Lion King. Yeah, um, I'd agree. My three is Peter Pan and Wendy, the Ooh, David Lowry. Um, because I really, really like that movie a lot. Uh, Cruella's two, and then Pete's Dragon, another David Lowry at yes. number one. Not surprising, I am a big David Lowry fan. Um, but uh, honorable mention, I do. I agree with Cinderella. Um, I also there's a, a place in my heart for Alice in Wonderland. I don't know why. I like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. I can't. I don't dislike I, it. It's weird, and I think that's what I like about it. It's 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 unfair to call it a remake because it's technically like a sequel because she went to um where do they go? Wonderland. Uh, oh, Wonderland. It's Wonderland, Wonderland. Yeah. How did I forget what the heck? Yeah. Oh my Neverland. god, that's, that's totally uh, I went to Neverland too. Uh, that's where my head was going. But um, you know, in the in the Tim Burton one, it's adult Alice returning to Wonderland. And it's wild and it's weird. And Johnny Depp is just doing whatever has had her. I don't know why I kind of like that one. I don't like Beauty and the Beast. I don't like Maleficent. I don't know if that counts as a remake because it's like a different perspective of. Yo, I didn't I didn't include that one, but I get it. Um, Lion King really disappointed. Dumbo was bad. Dumbo Mulan. Was bad. I have, I, to be honest, I still have not watched the animated Mulan, but from everything I've heard, the no one really liked the live action it felt like such a missed opportunity because i was really hyped for the idea of it, it i just thought the execution fine. was like it was fine. and then hands down worst one pinocchio uh sorry bob oh uh, but yeah i'd actually erase that from my memory probably for very good reason but yeah um it's interesting then that in our top five we've we've both got well we're very similar which does that either we're very uh united in our taste which may usually we are or there are only a handful of decent adaptations yep. to pick from because I mean, Pete's Dragon immediately came to me. Um, it's in it's it's in there for you. You're number one. I hadn't thought about Peter Pan and Wendy actually, but that may snuck up to dinner. But then I think I've just about enjoyed Aladdin that little bit more. But yeah, Cruella, Cinderella, The Little Mermaid, The Lion King. Sorry, sorry, The Jungle Book. Who not The Lion King? They're all up there, and I think I think for a lot of people it would be the same. 
Yeah, I think so too. And that's the thing. Um, we know we could have also done a uh, what else is coming list because they're those are all over the place right now because Moana. Disney has still massive plans for all these other ones. Space and stuff. yeah, I don't know that if you look at our list, if you like one, I'm actually not saying stop, but I'm saying look at the ones that have worked and start questioning why so many haven't. And one, you you definitely should change something. A lot of the complaints about Mulan early was that they, they took out the magic of Mulan and it became grounded, which mm-hmm. I thought, cool, that's a justification for making it because you still have the magic version with the dragon. And then you have this grounded version. Unfortunately, again, the execution wasn't strong. But when you do it like exactly the same, like Pinocchio kind of tried to do, it, it's unnecessary. Uh, Lion King is a really prime example of that one because it you took out all of the joy from the original one and uh, all of the fun moments just don't work with these photorealistic animals. And then the ones that have been closer, like uh, Aladdin and um, Little Mermaid, there's just little things and a lot of it is excess. You add things that are unnecessary. So like, if you're going to keep doing this, Disney just fix it like it's not rocket science to change the things that people aren't clicking with stop doing those things and i am very worried for some of the ones on the agenda including the lilo and stitch one i'm just like jesus that could be like winnie the pooh blood and honey if disney keep putting back on their budget i mean i've just been looking at the box office my man thinking because i am on in the boat of just just don't do it just please stop because what do you bring in and i'm looking at the box office because originally i was like well they're not making that much money but they are obviously the lion king 1.6 billion Beauty and the beast 1.2 aladdin made a billion alice in wonderland made a billion the jungle book made just short of a billion and then you've got maleficent 750 mil cinderella half a million same with maleficent 2 even dumbo made 300 mil so you the bar here the average there is probably about these films make between seven to eight hundred million each so you know there is clearly an audience out there for them and if yeah. disney are going to keep making money off of them which yeah. we know how much they love but they're not cheap to make they're all in and among in and around 150 to 200 something million yeah so they're making their money back they might not be blowing the doors down in terms of huge profit but you know the numbers don't lie they they bring in the audiences but yeah are they are they Money to the bottom line is what it's all about, JB. But, you know, I don't think these films critically or even technically, other than maybe The Jungle Book and a few others, really need to be kept being made. I don't need a Moana remake, uh, adaptation. I don't need a Lilo and Stitch live action or adapt, reimagining. I don't need them. What? And I don't mean to sound like that guy. He's like, oh, I don't need them. Therefore, nobody should. But why do we? Why are we getting a Moana one? It's just not even... It's, it's, Oh, you know, I could go on for a lot. This, this is a BAMP episode all in, in, in itself, but there will be people out there, though, who are very excited for for these. And I'm sure there'll be people who are very excited for The Sword and the Stone and Hercules and the Prince Anders film that's coming out and the Aristocats. But I don't know, man, I've got the I've got the, I, I am, I suppose, that a hypocrite. I am that person, John, where, you know, those those films are out there. I can go back and watch the animated ones and enjoy those just as much. So um it's a it's a tightrope it's a funny one but uh this little mermaid it was fine for me yep same uh fine and uh, to be fair 
better than some of the other ones so yeah after all of that so um that one went off a bit but i hope you got your money's worth in in lieu of a spoiler episode we hope you've got your dollars worth there for us going into disney remakes let us know what you think though are is john or i or both you know are we not receptive enough to these or are we too receptive blah blah let us know what you think about the adaptations going forward and why disney seems to hang their hat on that and not original ideas so let's move on though jb because we could be on this one for a long time and let's talk mm-hmm. about uh chuffed headlines on our next segment here we take a movie or pop culture headline that caught our attention and we share it with the world so jb speaking of bottom line what have you gone for a, a, a very appropriate headline yeah. um ludicrous has uh has brutally honest and explicit answer for why fast and furious hasn't ended why they keep making more of these movies and more importantly why it appears that they're going to keep making more if Vin Diesel has his way. Um, and uh, I'm not even going to read the quote. I'm just going to basically paraphrase, which is because uh, they make money. I knew it. I didn't even look um, at the article. And I knew it. And like, he's completely right. And I, I, I think I, I actually, the reason why I picked this is he was tired of being asked the question. Cause it's like, why do you think it's, it's a business? Like fair enough. Yeah. Th- there's artistry to this for sure. Um, even in Fast and Furious, there is an artistry to a lot of them, not all of them and not every moment, but the, the scenes that land, the scenes that we remember from those movies take an incredible amount of preparation. And even whether it's all CG or it was practical, it's incredibly stunning that we don't forget those those moments. And even if they are memorable because of how ridiculous they are, like they going into <laughs> space, um, there's still an artistry to it. But at the end yes. of the day, the people who greenlight the production of movies this this large comes down to the bottom line, and that's the thing: is the Fast and the Furious franchise, even if they don't make as much box office as they were, they're still coming out in the green. They they're making a profit, and that's what they care more about. Mm-hmm. Do they get mad if it doesn't hit the billion dollars? Yeah, they do. The studios do, which is why we haven't been told for sure that the spinoff movies are actually happening, and that's just Vin Diesel running his mouth, but. <laughs> if if fast 10 does well it's we're gonna get 11 we're gonna get 12 because that's how the industry works and that's what we were just talking about the disney live action remakes are gonna keep getting made as long as they're making a profit um if they're getting butts into seats especially and let's be real as people who love theaters we need people to go see any movie enough that the theater doesn't shut down you know yeah like maybe the the maybe our art house movies are, are empty. It's just the uh, people like us. It's five people see it the whole two weeks that it's in the theater, but that theater gets to stay open because a hundred thousand people went and saw fast 10, you know, and that's, I, I'm kind of okay with it. And to Ludacris's point, that's why. And that is, it's essential. We need people to go to theaters. I would love if you're listening to this podcast and you're not going to see some of the smaller you know films, especially if you live in an area where they show up, please do. Because they're probably even more worth it. Um, but at the same time, as long as you're going to the theater to keep those employees employed so that it'll stay open so that I can go see those other movies, I'm grateful. So good for you, Ludacris, for saying it like it is. Yeah, everything you said, I echo 100%, especially the latter points about keeping theaters open. And on Lud- Luda's point here, 
I I dig it. Like, when you were saying, I was like, yeah, I, I'm I'm so glad he didn't come out and say, well, you know, we're making them for the fans or we're making them because we're a family and we we can't get enough of each other. He's just straight up said they make money. That's why we're going to keep pumping this stuff out because they make money and. We, we all kind of probably guessed that. I mean, this one has made just over half a billion. It's probably below forecasts and expectations, but it's it's probably going to end up with a cool 700, 750 million, if not more, which isn't bad. However, it did cost $340 million to make. So there's a problem in of itself there. But no, I'm, I, know, I think it's refreshingly honest from Ludacris there uh, in regards to that, because there's how many times do have we heard interviews, we've probably spoken about it on this a show where you know a question is asked like why you know what what do you think is uh keeping these films or these studios or ips or series going and you know and you will you will hear the the politicians answer when we're all screaming money it's because it makes but same as what we've just done with these live action remakes like you said uh it, they make money they're going to keep making them do i respect that hustle of course i do <laughs> you know it's it's a business the bottom line is what that's the bottom line because ludicrous said so the bottom line is they want to look after their bottom line. They want to put profits for anything else. Oh, fine, I get it. I just wish sometimes the the output that they are spending their money on was a little bit better, especially when it comes to the fast franchise. But on the flip side, John, they make a lot of money, so they're making a lot of people happy doing so. But yeah, I, I, I dig his comments, JB. Not really anything else to add. I think you've covered it brilliantly yeah. there, and I'm just it's just a refreshing answer finally from somebody who's just telling it how it is. Yeah, uh, and that's, you know, I, I also like to interviewers, like, let's not ask the actors questions like that. I, I think yeah. it's such a, a, it's one, it's a pretty obvious answer, but two, it's a little disrespectful um, that you, you would ask, you know, would you ask a basketball player, why do they keep having basketball games? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's because one, it's a business, but two, it's, it's something they're into, like, I don't think Luda's saying like he doesn't enjoy making them. I think if he was having a bad time, he probably would stop. But yeah, you know, it, you know, it's just like come on, let's. There's better questions you could come up with than that, right? One hundred percent. That losing streak you're going on, uh, basketball yeah. player. Why do you keep wearing those shoes for? It's because yeah. they're paying me a bucket load of money to wear them. That's why. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I respect the honesty there from Ludacris. Uh, my headline, John, is one which, having seen the documentary, I think you'll be more. Um, mm-hmm. okay with but i couldn't not talk about it because i want to see the documentary and i need to have a word of your affair about seeing this documentary but the headline is this is from variety but it's been uh, picked up everywhere freddie krueger actor robert england on his 50-year career why he won't play freddie anymore and who should portray the elm street villain next this is by william O. and the kind of the main soundbite from this interview or from this um article sorry uh, the question was, would he be willing to put on the fedora again for the right script? And talking of honesty, Robert England says, I'm too old and thick to play Freddy now. I just can't do fight scenes for more than one take anymore. I've got a bad neck and a bad back and arthritis in my right wrist. So I have to hang it up. But I would love to cameo. Uh, again, I think that's I think that's honest because mm-hmm. I think, you know, Robert England, he, he also said in this uh, article that, He's not the icon here. He's not the pop culture legend. Freddy Krueger is. He's just a character actor who's been very lucky. Now, I I, I agree. I, obviously, I agree to a point that Freddy is the man, but the the two are, you know, it's like Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher. One, one without the other doesn't quite work, I don't think, fully, because Freddy Krueger and Robert England are synonymous. Freddy, 
Robert England's mannerisms, his voice, his being is Freddy Krueger. He brings that character to life. Um, does that doesn't mean anybody else can't play him? I think Jackie O'Haley is fine as Freddy Krueger actually in the remake. I don't think he's necessarily the problem. I just think he's fed so much. I almost pulled a John then and said a rude word. Fed so much <laughs> crap to deal with that um, this show's getting PG-13. Yeah, I think he's just fed so much rubbish that nobody's saving that. Um, but I, I, I thought Robert England's, again, his honesty here was admirable because I'm sure he'd probably love to play Freddy again just to kind of re- relive some memories or maybe go out on an even bigger bang but you know he's like no i can't you know i'm not i can't do fight scenes he's not willing to just stand there and be the body of freddie and have somebody else do the stunts because it wouldn't work and he he was asked who could replace him who could be the new freddie in a nightmare on elm street remake which hasn't been greenlit but everybody in the movie world or horror genre horror circles 100 percent knows this is coming soon this is the franchise to remake and if you get it right you are in the money uh, and Robert England said Kevin Bacon. And now this has been around, going around for a long time now. Kevin Bacon's name was thrown around for the 2010 Platinum Dreams uh, reimagining, and it never seems to go away. And uh, Robert England says, on Kevin Bacon, I know he respects the genre and he's such a fine physical actor. I think that in the silences and in the way Kevin moves, it would be interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if Kevin Bacon would be good he probably would be. He's a good actor, and he he is. He does have horror pedigree. He, then again, you could get an unknown actor who could absolutely crush this role. I'd love to see what they do with the new Freddy because it is a big cast casting and house. When it comes, we are going to get that remake soon. I don't know when, but I, within the next year, I'm pretty confident we're going to get an announcement that probably Blumhouse are going to be re- as long as Gordon Green's not involved is going to be remaking. A Nightmare in Elm Street, but um, what do you think then about this, John? Have, I know you've just watched a documentary, but Robert England's mm-hmm. honesty about not playing the character again and who he thinks could replace him. I I think that I think uh, it reflects who he is in the documentary. Um, just really chill, very professional. Um, knows this industry better than I think a lot of people give him credit for because he's so closely associated with uh, Freddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and even uh, like. Outside of the horror fans, Freddy is kind of looked at as schlock anyways, you know, so like he's not, I don't think he's gotten the respect he deserves as an actor and as a craftsman of, of this art form. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, you know, if anyone's going to, how would I push back against his recommendation? He is Freddy. So yeah, anyone he recommends, I'm going to be like, yeah, let's listen to him. He knows what he's talking about, right? Like this, he's going to pick better than anybody else because he one gets the character better than anybody else. And two um, has a reverence for the character, like no other. So he's going to, he's going to, if he's going to pass the torch, wouldn't we want him to be the one to make that decision? Like, yeah, good show. So, yeah. Yep. There we go. Um, He he did say that Jackie O'Haley was, he said he's so good and a wonderful actor. And he says Jackie O'Haley wasn't a reason why the remake was awful because the remake also made money. Uh, he was great. He, he he went on to say that, you know, they made Freddie a child molester and that's not what Freddie's about. He's just a child murderer. That's fine. Okay, good. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, I'm here for this. Robert England, he, he knows the character inside out, though some of his screenplays for like past nightmare sequels that were never made weren't all that good. But I do believe he should have some say in who would be the next Freddy Krueger. Give it a year. We're going to have an announcement. I'm willing to bet 
two dollars on that i'm willing to bet a dunkin donut on that um you heard it here maybe first anyway let's move on then jb to media consumption our next segment where we talk about the movies tv shows video games music podcasts which aren't ours anything really that we've used to pass the time since our last recording jb you've always got a veritable smorgasbord of fun so what you've been checking out uh p- podcast blank check um they covered battling butler and the general uh <laughs> the general being one of the bigger buster keaton films yes um battling butler i had not seen beforehand i enjoyed it the general was the only keaton film i'd seen before uh starting this podcast adventure so um i but i did rewatch it because i hadn't seen it in a long time and i've come to appreciate keaton in a way uh that i didn't before so i wanted to give it another go i don't mind the general i think it's a it's a classic of its time Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, the episode's great though. Definitely. If you are keeping up with it, I, I highly recommend, um, movies, uh, with those two included, I watched, uh, the new Burt Kreischer film, the machine. Hmm. It's got funny moments. Mark Hamill plays his father. I don't know if you know that. Um, I did, yes. uh, Hamill is hamming it up as you might expect. And given the, <laughs> the circumstances, um, it's not bad. Uh, there are some good moments. It has some extreme violence at times, uh, like disturbingly so. Um, and then uh, it, it's one of the most self-congratulatory movies I've ever seen, though, because it is like based on his quote unquote life. And like the theme of the film is like Burt Kreischer's a good guy. Like it literally it's stated out loud in that fa- that way. <laughs> it's Excellent. like, wow, dude. Fantastic. Uh, it's sad that you had to make a whole movie that ultimately, you know, Hey, I'm a good man. Okay. Um, I caught uh, a music documentary called Peter case, a million miles away. Mm-hmm. Who was a musician. I was not aware of. Um, my full review is at burkreviews.com. Um, I really liked a lot of the doc. I, I have some issues with it, but I thought the, um, the music of Peter case in all various forms. Cause he was in a couple of bands early in his career. Then he becomes more of like a singer songwriter. Um, incredible voice. I knew nothing about the guy. Uh, definitely worth checking out if it's on VOD. Um, I'm not going to say the names of the Tribeca films I've watched. Cause I'm not really sure what I'm allowed to say I've seen so far. Uh, I know I can't review any of them yet, so I don't, I'm just going to play it safe and not say the names. So I've watched a few Tribeca films. Um, the reviews will be dropping in the near future uh, for all of them. So stay on Burke reviews and also listen to this podcast. We'll have some Tribeca content in the coming weeks. Um, I don't know if you saw a map, but I just got my email to uh, make our um, on demand account for this year. Um, uh, I do not know. Oh, I, Oh, JB. Yep, I have got so, it on demand invite. Yeah. So, I'm in. Yeah. I'm, I'm very hyped for that. That means it's going to all be going smooth here soon. The um, next film. I'm very hyped to hear your thoughts on John. A loners. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I also, I don't think I'm under embargo. Um, I'm not a hundred percent, but my review for that will be at disappointment media. Um, but I really liked it. Like it clicked real hard for me. Um, I, I was just enamored with the cinematography. It's the, for a debut filmmaker, I was so impressed. Um, cause I, I didn't know it was a debut film until after I watched it, I was like, what? Like, w- this is clearly someone who studied the art and employed it as such. Um, really, really vibe with me. I am an introvert and it is a movie about introverts essentially. So it's kind of like uncomfortably seeing oneself. You're like, 
I don't know if I like this. Like, I, I like the movie. I don't know if I like seeing things about myself on screen in that way. Because it was like, hmm. But uh, I did enjoy it. Um, and lastly, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which I will say nothing about on this episode. Because next week, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, yes. But uh, I didn't. I forgot to put this. Uh, in preparation for seeing the movie, I, I rewatched uh, Into the Spider-Verse. So nice. Holds up. Still love that movie. And then I started playing on PS4 because I beat Forbidden West. Um, I started playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is not the same Miles from the movie. So it's not exactly a one-for-one by any means. But it's been fun playing that game because I really like the first Spider-Man game a lot. And so this is getting me a little bit more hype for Spider-Man 2 and pushing me to like, well, I'm going to have to get a PS5 if I'm going to play Spider-Man 2. Because it's not coming out on PS4, so you know. Um, yeah, and that trailer wasn't half bad, was it? I've only seen clips of it. I've not actively watched the trailer, but I, I, I had I bought a PS4 at launch, and then I sold it after I started Burke Reviews because I just wasn't playing games, mm-hmm. and it was just I felt like I didn't need two systems. And I was playing the Xbox more frequently at the time, mm-hmm. um, and then the regret came in when Spider-Man came out. Cause I was like, dang, I really want to play that. And eventually it's why I bought a second PS4. Um, and, uh, why I'm now probably going to end up buying a PS5 is the Spider-Man games keep bringing me back. So <laughs> they get you somehow, don't they? They do. And I, P- PlayStation does have some pretty incredible, uh, exclusives, but so far they've all been on PS4. So I haven't needed to do it. This will be the first time where I have, I'm going to have to make a decision of like, do I want to just skip it or do I need to spend $500 so I can play a game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and the recent PlayStation showcase didn't really showcase anything of any note yeah. other than Spider-Man 2. So maybe, maybe you can hold off for a little while and save those dollars for a little bit longer, JB. But um, <laughs> I see you beat your horizon forbidden West. So yes. Yeah. Uh, love that game. I think it's, it's, really great i was a little sad when it was over um there is a dlc i haven't decided if i want to jump into that or not but do um, it do it do it but i did i did enjoy the game uh and there's it's definitely setting up for a potential third game so sweet well maybe i'll play one of them at some point soon john um <laughs> i have been uh i've seen a few things i listened to a few things i've been listening to double toasted uh mainly again on youtube with the bad movie roasts and their movie reviews uh, i think they movie bad movie roast was inspector gadget this week which was fantastic to watch the reaction to that awful movie and i listened to the horror show they're going through the evil dead films at the minute and currently spoke about evil dead 2 uh, and obviously next week will be Army of Darkness and so on and so forth. So that's always uh, a joy. You know me, I do enjoy hearing, listening to people talking about horror. And I wish I could do it more often. Um, last week, John, on the back of the Sean Williams Scott article, I said I was going to watch Goon that evening. And I did watch Goon that very evening. I put yeah, it on did. straight after recording. And yep, I, I really like it. It is a crude uh, comedy and there are some things which if <laughs> if this film was re-released at cinemas now would not fly but you know, putting that to one side I dug it I think this film so so much fun I love hockey I love Sean William Scott as Doug Glatt in this film um yeah everything about it's just, it's just a very it's a very like violent and sweet film all at the same time dig it um influencer I watched a film called influencer it was a shudder horror film funnily enough John it's about an influencer um and it's she goes to a uh, an island i can't remember whereabouts now but she goes uh, hawaii, maybe hawaii uh, somewhere like that 
the film was better than what I'm making out to be. I just can't remember where she went. And um, there's a stalker there who goes after influencers basically to take their identity um, and other things happen. It was fairly cut and dry stalker thriller film, but I quite enjoyed it. I thought the performances were solid. It looked really good. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a nice, good way to spend an hour, hour and 40 minutes. And then I, what I didn't realize was the director had emailed me, but he was obviously just touting the film about, I didn't see it till like a week later. So I had to reply back to him and say, Oh yeah, I did see it. And also thankfully it was, I quite enjoyed it. Um, so if anyone, uh, if he's emailed any of you guys do check it out or it's on shutter it's worth a watch it won't blow you away but it's a very solid um stalker slash thriller horror film influencer uh i watched return of the jedi this week jb uh because firstly why wouldn't you want to watch return of the jedi again uh we we covered it on star wars sessions this week because it's been 40 years since it was released so i thought i'd refresh my memory on it and it's great it's return of the jedi full of flaws love it nonetheless and uh, I have watched some Tribeca films. I have actually checked to see, generally checked to see if I can mention it. And you can do, you, you can mention that you've watched them, but of course any kind of reaction is not allowed. So I watched a film called Catching Dust, stars Erin Moriarty from The Boys fame. And I watched a documentary called The Gullspong Miracle. Uh, so we'll be talking about those more on this show on my site and crossing over with Burke reviews as well we're going to get all of that sorted out so we're going to have tribeca coverage coming out of our ears for the next few weeks um but as we said last week and this week we're trying to get as much viewed now as possible rather than the big rush when it all starts and in terms of television john uh for again for the sessions we're talking about obi-wan kenobi next week it's been a year since that show came out so it's kind of like a retrospective look back at it and i've I think I got through the first two episodes or three episodes, and but the, you know, I guess you were, and they're fine. I haven't gone back to watch the last three yet. I don't know if that's a, uh, a biting criticism of the show, but I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll get around to that soon. I'll get around, to it, even though I can bend them. Oh, I'll watch them soon, but we'll be talking about more about that next week on the sessions. But other than that, nothing else, JB, uh, because I'm looking forward to the next few weeks where it's going to be hella busy but i'm all for it so with that being said we're gonna have to stay bloody awesome we got to make sure that we are maintaining our levels of bloody awesome each week we have to keep doing that so john how have you been staying bloody awesome this week i am on summer vacation um officially started last friday but uh like friday was our last day of work but i've um you know it's it's day three of like not having to go to work um although i'm still getting up at like 5 40 and going to the gym instead um discipline today was tough uh because we got home kind of late last night from the movie and i i but i had a a breakfast uh, plan so i needed to get up and get the gym in before i went to breakfast so um i'm I'm a little tired as a result honestly but uh and very sore i've been working out harder than usual but um you know i've got two months uh, I got a lot of stuff I want to do and I already like at the same time it's like three days have already gone like I haven't done any of the things I wanted to do yet so that there's like that summer stress of like it moves yes. too fast yeah. um but I'm saying bloody awesome by just embracing uh being on vacation put your feet up as well John going to the gym be like Burke is admirable do find time to put your feet up my man um Indeed. and or in a multiplex watching a film maybe um i've been staying bloody awesome this week john by a bit more preparation convention prep there's a convention in the south of england on the coast actually this coming weekend which will be attending 
So kind of preparing again for a busy weekend. We're doing uh, over on the sessions, we're doing a, uh, a panel type thing on the Sunday. So coming up with content for that or questions for the audience necessarily Q and a type thing coming up for that is uh, always fun, but taxing at the same time. So I've been getting a bit of con prep in and, by that i've also been getting some sleep in as well because they're always so busy at conventions and one day i'll make it over to uh, i think it's megacon over in orlando i think it is one yep. day i'll make it over there jb and we can we can cosplay as each other we can cosplay as co- podcasters mm. and <laughs> hang around at a convention but yeah mine's been pretty simple it's other than that is is what to be fair I'm, I'm actually having i've actually got most of the week off work because it's it's half term over here it is for, for the kids are off school so i've got my daughter for two days out of the five because of this convention at the weekend so that is even more bloody awesome so actually i'm having a bloody awesome time by only being in work for one day this week so that's how i'm staying bloody awesome john by not going to work hey you know what that's uh that's a win in my book so good job <laughs> yeah we're both the same kind of let's just say it like that be like burke taking it too far well jb has already uh wisely said what we're talking about next week because i think it was a little bit obvious we could talk about the boogeyman i've heard it's pretty good no we are talking about spider-man across the spider-verse the highly anticipated follow-up to into the spider-verse which i think was bloody awesome that film was so looking forward to talking to john about across the spider-verse hopefully we've got a film which is as good if not better uh looking forward to talking about that join us next week for that plus we'll be having a spoiler episode on across the spider-verse reminder there will be no spoiler episode for the little mermaid uh for full spoilers go and watch the film uh if you want to tell us about the film and what you thought about it or your hype for across the spider-verse you can find us on social media on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And on Instagram, John? We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Yes, sir. Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on Facebook. We're on the Tomato Meter. So in the next couple of hours or day, you'll be seeing the us contributing to the score for The Little Mermaid on Rotten Tomato. So do go check that out. If you want to find me individually, you can do, especially in the lead up to Tribeca. Follow me, what I watch tonight.co.uk, or just search what I watch tonight across all the socials and letterboxed. And also in the lead up to Tribeca, JB, where can the world find you? At BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Yes, sir. Go and check all of those out. And if you do like what we're doing here, we would absolutely love a five star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice because it helps the show grow. It helps get more listeners in. It gets us up all of those listening algorithms. And it's another way for us to hear from more film fans each and every week. But with that, as always, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody.